It is good to be with you today and to be sharing with you. I hope you're praying for Pastor Jesse and Nancy as they're traveling uh, throughout France, ministering to our international workers there, uh, doing that pastoral care that they are so good at, and also leading them in their prayer retreat and that ministry. So continue to pray for them and lift them up. In fact, why don't we stop right now and just take a moment just to pray for them. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we come. And we ask that you would, in a mighty way, fill and empower, give discernment and wisdom to Jesse and Nancy as they are ministering and serving with our international workers in France. May they have such insights into their need, and may they hear your message and receive it and pass it on to those workers who, who are, some are hurting because of physical illness for uh, some of their family are suffering, just the challenges of ministry in a, a place that is not your home country. And so, Lord, we just pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to that passage that we uh, just read, I'd like us to kind of get into that passage, but I'd like to ask you if you can remember uh, something both uh, in our past. For those of us who are old enough, we can remember a television show uh, called Mission Impossible. For those of us who are not old enough, but are, you know, are the younger generation, know the, by the Mission Impossible movies that have been out. In fact, there was one out this summer, I believe. And they all have the same thing in common. And if you remember, this is a continu this continuous thing. At the beginning of the movie, usually there's a message that comes from one means of communication or another, and it basically says this, your mission, should you choose to accept it, and then it describes the mission, and then it always says this, it seems like, in five seconds, this, this message will self-destruct, correct? Have you ever, you know, I was just thinking about this, I've always wanted to say, and then it starts to, you know, smoke and flame or whatever, or explode or something like that. I've always wanted to know, what if you wanted to hear it again just to make sure, you know? Hold, no, stop, stop, I want to hear this, please. You know, this may involve me hanging off an airplane or, or scaling a, 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 a hundred-story building in, in Dubai or something like that. I want to hear this message again. But I think as I thought about this whole idea of uh, the mission and the message, I also thought of another aspect of it. I think sometimes, humanly speaking, the key word in there is should, should you choose or decide to accept it is that point of decision. We have to make decisions. We have to choose to follow. We have to go in that direction, and we want to go in the right direction. In fact, sometimes I think the fear is not that the message is going to self-destruct, but if I take the, make the wrong decision, I'm going to self-destruct. Or my life is going to come apart. Or I'm going to end up in the wrong place. How can I know God's will? How can I know I'm in the right place? How can I know the big decisions and the small decisions? And sometimes we're paralyzed from making the, a decision and choosing to follow in the right way. I think for us, uh, for, for Dale and, and, and me right now, we're kind of in a unique place. This is, it gets personal to us as we get into this passage. 
for us, uh, we basically knew, I knew where I was supposed to be for the, the past 13 years. We were, uh, I was a district superintendent. Before that, I was the assistant superintendent, and I knew where to go to my office. I knew the people I worked with. had a wonderful team, and it was always a great uh, opportunity. Now, there were all kinds of surprises and challenges with that that are, are, have great uh, variety. But I knew what, where I was supposed to be. And now we're at a place where we're not sure where we're going to end up. We're seeking the Lord for His direction. We want to hear His voice. And in the, these life transitions, it really causes you to say, how do I know God's will for my life? And what the next assignment is. But I think that also applies not only to just what we're doing, but what we all do in life. And also, how do we know what we're supposed to do? Not in the big decisions, but even the everyday decisions. Where I go, who do I interact with? What, what uh, am I going to do today at my job that it represents what I'm supposed to be doing as a Christian? What am I supposed to do in my recreation? What am I supposed to do in my family? What am I supposed to do on, on all of these things that are a part of my life? And so we think about this passage of Scripture as an illustration of how we approach this. Part of the problem for us is I think not only the, the being paralyzed by indecision and fear, but we also have uh, this strange ability to compartmentalize our lives. That we have this false dichotomy of what is the secular and what is the sacred. Well, my work is secular. My church is sacred. Uh, my play is secular. My vacation is secular. What I do, and when I come to church, that's the spiritual. And that's a false dichotomy. That's not real. That's not how we're supposed to be as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. You see, we are His children, created in His image, redeemed by His mercy and His grace. Our entire lives should be shaped and defined by our relationship with Him. That affects everything we do. But here's the tension. How do I know God's will and discern his shaping hand in my life so that I may follow him and leading me to his preferred future for me, whether it's the next moment, the next hour, the next day, the next week, the next month, and you know, on and on and on. And so we come to this passage in Acts chapter 16. And I think it's a beautiful illustration for us of, of what it means to know the will of God. It's, it's really mostly used as a missionary passage. In fact, I almost would say that you'd say, oh, Chuck's following up last week's uh, uh, message on missions uh, from our missionary, so he's just doing another missions message. And actually, I'm not. It's going to be part, there's going to be some of that in here. But sometimes I think we, we categorize passages and we miss the lessons for us in our everyday lives. So this is more than just a missionary passage, the Macedonian call. But there's something else here for us, a lesson in how to understand God's moving and following in his will. So the setting is the first missionary journey has taken place. Paul and Barnabas have been sent out by the church in Antioch. They've gone and they've really started ministries in these towns in, in Asia Minor. And they are now uh, had come back. 
They dealt with an issue of whether Gentile Christians have to become Jewish Christians also, and they were saying no. The Council of Jerusalem uh, said no. The church said you don't have to do that. They're taking the message to the churches. They're encouraging the churches. They're appointing leadership. They're doing different things to encourage the churches. And now they're getting ready to go on, on, continue on to what I would call the second missionary journey. And if you want to know what those look like on a map, all you have to do is look at the back of your Bible. Usually there's a map there. And you can look at what the first, second, and third missionary journeys of Paul. And so we, 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 we get into this idea, and Paul, the pioneer missionary, wants to take the gospel where it's never been preached. Romans chapter 15 talks about, I don't want to build on another man's foundation, but to create new ministry, new opportunities. And so he, he had an idea of the direction he was supposed to go and what he wanted to do. But something happens on this way. And by the way, he was a church planter. Church planting has a value to us. By the way, around the Alliance today, it's Church Planting Sunday. And so for you to know this, there's an emphasis on starting new churches. That was a value that A.B. Simpson, our founder, had when he sent missionaries around the world to go to places where the gospel had not been preached. It's still a part of our DNA, as it was with Paul. But he, fan, he ran into some obstacles and some setbacks. You see, it's human to want certainty. How would you like to know every step you're supposed to take the next day? Now you say, oh, I'm, I'm a man of faith. I don't need to know all that. I just want to let it happen. Yeah, right. You'd like to know what's going on. You'd like to know the direction. You're, you'd like to know how the day is going to end, how the week is going to end, how your life is going to, well, maybe not how your life is going to end. That may be a little bit too scary. But you'd like to know things. We all, that's just human. And also, we'd like to live mistake-free lives uh, uh, that count for something. Now, by the way, the mistake-free part, you ought to just laugh at that because that's not going to happen. In fact, we learn from those, don't we? But here's the point. The point is, is that, that we can discern God's will, but how do we do that? And here's the issue. Discovering God's direction for our lives requires an obedient heart and a listening ear to his voice. Simply put, staying at the center of God's will requires that we act on what we know and listen for what we don't. Act on what we know and listen for what we don't know. So first of all, we act on what we know, what you know. Obedience is always the first order of what God has already revealed to you. And God has revealed to you so much in the Word of God, in Scripture. He's, he's revealed all of these things. It's not, we don't need to be paralyzed. You don't need to wonder what you're supposed to be doing because God has revealed it to us. He's already got us moving so we have to act on that we have to be obedient we have to be taking steps of faith and living the principles that god has given us there's an old principle that says you can't steer a stationary ship it has to be moving it has to be going out of the port and when it's going out of the port it can be directed then and so our lives have to be moving that's what they were doing acts 1 8 says you will be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria the uttermost parts of the earth so what is that saying to the Apostle Paul? He knew what the Great Commission was. He knew where he was supposed to be going. He was supposed to be taking the gospel to places all over the world, the uttermost parts. So he was an uttermost parts guy. He was going there. And that's where he was. He was being obedient. He was heading out. 
for all of us, we need to already be moving and acting on what we already know. What is God telling you? He is faithful, and we, are, we need to be faithful in following what he has already revealed. He rewards, rewards that faithfulness with more information. We look at this passage, and so they, as they step out, they head to all these places that we just had mentioned. So he, he went to the, to the province of Asia. The Holy Spirit kept them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So he's, doing, he's going where he's supposed to go, Asia. Wow, big area, yet to be reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Makes sense, I'm going to Asia. No, you're not. A little bit later, how about Bithynia? I'm going to Bithynia. They have, they don't, that's kind of on the edge of Asia. I want to reach there too. No, you're not. And see, here's the interesting thing for us is is we get this, we see this happening, and we say, what is going on? And here's the thing. When we are faithful to follow what we already know, God has a way of giving us more information. You're going to see that in this passage. He tells us enough to lead us, not to give us the end in every step. Because, by the way, you can't handle to know every step. You can't handle to have it all spelled out for you. What if God had told, the Holy Spirit had told Paul, by the way, you're going to try to go here, and it's not going to work. You're going to try to go here, it's not going to work. But you're going to get to Troas, and I'm going to send you someplace else. What's the human reaction? We'll just skip all this other stuff and pain and suffering and going to the wrong places because we don't know what it meant that the Holy Spirit resisted them or prevented them. It could have been by circumstances, by suffering, by persecution, that the Holy Spirit brought them in a place where tournament could have been his voice. It could have been a prophetic utterance. We don't know what it was, but whatever it was, it would have appeared to be a waste of time. I can almost imagine the conversation we would have in a similar situation. Well, God since I'm going to end up there anyway, I'm just going to cut, cut across and head there. Doesn't that make sense? Well, it wouldn't make sense, humanly speaking. It wouldn't even make, it would make sense, humanly and logically speaking. But it's not where God wanted them to be. God's not going to tell you the end because he wants you to go, as we're going to see, and be obedient to the first step of what he's saying to you. So if you know where God wants you to be, if you're in a place where God wants you to be, you better be obedient right at that place first. And be faithful. He, he reveals it in increments. Because it takes faith to act on what we know without knowing the results or what the next step is. It takes, a, it takes faith. People are wired different ways. There are people who are motivated by uh, uh, peop the, the, their people persons, and they want to be around people. And so they may ask the question, hey, I, 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 I'm, I'm, my motivational value system is people, so I will go where you want me to go only if you tell me who I'm going with or who's going to be there. And will they be nice to me? And God says, I'm not going to tell you any of that. I'm just going to tell you to take a step. There's some people who are... Who, who are who are wired and motivated by achieving and success. They want, I'm, I'm gonna, I want to conquer the hill. I'm going to achieve something. And I need to know, am I going to be successful when I get there? Well, I'm not going to tell you where if you're going to be successful. Just take the step. 
There's some people who want all the steps and they want everything spelled out, the whole process. They're process people. They want to know all the details. They want to know that, hey, have you filled in? Have you got it all spelled out? And God may say, I'm not going to give you all the steps. You know who you are. We all have something about the way, and basically we all fall into one of those categories in some form or another. The whole point is, is that God is asking us to take a first step of obedience. He's not going to always tell us what the next step is until we're ready for it. So Dale and I are in that place as an example. We're having to take steps. I'm not, I'm not sure where I'm going to end up. People ask me, well, what do you, have you figured out what you're going to do next? No. Is there motion? Yes. But all I'm doing is taking the next steps. Because I trust that God has, knows exactly where I'm going to be. He knows what tomorrow's going to bring. He knows what I'll, where I'll be this time next year. And he knows what I'm going to be next month and the months following. He knows. And so we follow. What is his will? Well, how do you know his will? It's in scripture. It's in the Bible. You have to read it. You have to be involved in it. By the way, scripture does two things for us. It not only, well, first of all, it tells us about the grandeur and the wonder of God so that we trust him. As we've sung about today, he is faithful. That last song, powerful song, powerful words. He, he is faithful and will never abandon us. So you know that to be true, amen? But secondly, we know what he wants us to do. He has given us and revealed his will. His, there's his commandments and, and his principles and guiding uh, uh, process, the example of passages like these that show us how to be moving in his will. But also when we read the Bible, it transforms our thinking. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you want to have a renewed mind, you better be in the Word. If you want to have a transformed mind and be thinking with a Christian worldview and thinking about life from that perspective so you have a foundation, you better be in the Word of God. It's transformative. But I think there are, are some, just as a grid to move things through, there are three guiding questions. And I have them up on the screen, and, and you can develop them. They're based on the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. Here's the Great Commandment. Love God with all of your being, and love your neighbor as yourself, which is a summation of all the law. The other is the Great Commission. As you are going, make disciples. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part. We see that. So we know what the mission is. We know what the commandment is, the way of life is. So when we make a decision about the day, or about a a job or about a, a family direction or an individual direction or even just whether to talk to our neighbor or not, here's the question. Or engage in an activity. Number one, does it advance and flow out of my intimacy with God? Does it flow from my love for God? Can I do this and still love God? If I can't love God while I'm doing this, I'm not going to do it. Amen? If I, if I do this and I can't love my neighbor while I'm doing this, I'm not going to do it. In fact, if this helps me love my neighbor, I'm going I'm to jump at the opportunity. And I'm here to represent Jesus to a lost world. I am on mission for him. I have called to be a missionary disciple. And so the question is, does it advance the mission where I live and work and play? Does it Allow me to display Jesus. 
Jin and Chetty talked last week and told us about going to Indonesia and translating the gospel to a, to a, gr- a people group who do not have the gospel in their whole heart language, the, the scripture, so they can have their minds renewed. They are going to translate. Wycliffe does that. They're doing that. It's a powerful thing. It's amazing to be able to read the Bible in your own tongue, your own language, and, 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 and get the nuance of it as the Holy Spirit speaks through it. But I want to challenge you that you also are Bible translators, or I would say Jesus translators. Because when you are living these three questions before a lost world, something happens, people are going to see Jesus in your life. They're going to see that your life is oriented around something other than just making money or having comfort or enjoying life or the next big fun thing, but it's oriented around Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be fun things. That doesn't mean you're not going to make money. That doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy life. But the reality is you're going to do something based upon your orientation to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. You are a... sometimes Someone has said that sometimes you're the only Bible someone is going to read. Or maybe the first Bible someone will read to know who Jesus really is. So what's an example of this? Let's take your work, for instance. Last May we had the um, Seek Conference, and one of the speakers was Sundar Krishnan, who's a, who is a conference speaker, a pastor from Toronto in the CNMA. And he said something that just kind of baffled me. I mean, it, it seemed pretty simple and obvious, but I had never thought of it this way. And he was saying to everybody in the room, he was saying, what if you saw your work and your role there doing your work was to pastor the people you work with? No, that's pastors do that. I don't do that. No. What if you are called to pastor the people in your place of employment that seems secular to you, but you're, because your life is sacred, set apart for God, everything you do is about how you live for him. You might say, no, my work is my work, my church is my church, they don't come together. I would say your work is his work, your play is his play, your house is his house, and your family is his Everything you do is about him. Well, how do you do that? Well, you just begin with paying attention to their place of need. God is going to expose to you all kinds of needs of people just there, and he's going to lead you in what to do, whether it's to pray for them or pray with them or encourage them or somehow do a caring thing to do. Act on what you know. You know what to do. You know how to pray. You know how to encourage you know how to help. Just do it. You're on mission. This is about Jesus. This is what he's called you to do, to be a missionary disciple. Second lesson is this. The journey is God's will as much as the destination. The journey is as much God's will as the destination. That's why on that journey, sometimes what seems like closed doors are as much God's direction as open doors. We think closed doors are bad things. I think closed doors are as much God's will. I've already had to face a couple of closed doors. I won't tell you about them. But the door's closed. 
And I could view that in one way as in a discouragement, or I could view that in another way, which is God doesn't want me there. How many of you, how do I say, I guess get the tenses right here. How many of you want to be where God doesn't want you to be? Raise your hand if you want to be where God doesn't want you to be. Wow, you're a sharp group. <laughs> I'm glad you just don't raise your hand because somebody said raise their hand, okay? Be, be thinking. I want to be where he wants me to be, and if he doesn't want to be, me to be there, I want to be where he wants me to be, and I want to wait for that until he leads me there. Amen? And so we have to understand that. The closed door is his will. It says here that the Holy Spirit prevented them. The, even with greater emphasis, because Jesus is the head of the church, it goes on to say in this passage that the Spirit of Jesus prevented them. Just look there at verse, verse 7. The Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So if God is closing those doors, when it seems like there's need in Asia and in Bithynia, what are you going to, or Bithynia, however you want to say that, how do you do that? How do you see that? You see, we think it's only the goal, the end, the success, but he has a purpose in the journey. He has a purpose in the journey as much as in the destination. Because the journey usually has multiple things happening. It has his timing. It has more is being accomplished than the end result. What's being accomplished is our personal transformation. On the journey, he is transforming you and your faith into a person in the likeness of Jesus. And so the hardships of the journey, the closed doors of the journey, the suffering of the journey, the trials of the journey, the what appears to be roadblocks of the journey are also God's way of making you into his image and refining your faith. I love what Oswald Chambers says in the July 28th, my utmost for his highest. Here's what he says, and it's on the screen for you, if you can read it from here. It's this. God's purpose is to enable me to see that he can walk in the storms of my life right now. If we have a further goal in mind, we are not paying enough attention to the present time. However, if we realize that moment by moment obedience is the goal, then each moment as it comes is precious. God is in the moment. God is in the middle of what you're going through. God is working in your life. He wants you to see it. He wants you to see his hand shaping you, making you, transforming you. He is doing this work. Sometimes the closed doors are a not yet. It doesn't mean not ever. It just means not yet. Sometimes it's someone else's job and God has something else for you to do. Somebody else would go to Asia to take the gospel, not Paul. God had another plan. The question at the closed door should not be, we give up or did we take the wrong road? But Lord, what are you teaching me and where do I go from here? From this place. Faith says there is an open door around the bend, but I needed to be here to get to the open door. 
I needed to be at this trial to get to the open door. I needed to go through a time where I didn't know what was next to get to the place where I would know what's next, that I would be ready for it. How many of you can look back in your lives and see times when you weren't sure where you were going, but it was just where God wanted you to be to get where you needed to be? You can say, I've seen the hand of God shaping my life. If you haven't seen that yet, talk to the ones who are nodding and say, tell me your story. I remember when Dale and I, we graduated from seminary and we were trying to figure out where to go. I was a Floridian. I grew up in Florida, born and raised at this church the first few years of my life even. And she was from New Hampshire. I went to New Hampshire and I said, I want to go to New Hampshire. I want to go to New England. It's the graveyard of churches. You know, I was a young 25-year-old ready to conquer the world, going to take New England for Jesus. And she was saying, I've been to New England. I know what it's like. It's the graveyard of churches. It's spiritually depressing. And every blah, blah. You know, she grew up there. She knew what it was like. And we wrestled with this. We prayed through it. And eventually we decided we're going to apply to the New England district. So we applied to the New England district. And they said, we have no churches for you, which sometimes can mean you're too young. You have no experience. We have no churches for you. So they didn't have a church for me. But... Something we had never thought about doing before. They said, would you like to plant a church? A new church. Of course, with no experience in church planting, no experience pastoring a church, no experience doing anything other than being a good church attender and going to seminary, all a lot of head knowledge. I said, sure. We, of course, we prayed about it. And we both agreed on it. And we went to New England to plant a church. To New Hampshire, of all places. We got there, after the first year, the average attendance of my church was nine people. Fortunately, Charlie had been born, so that, was, that, that helped make it nine, because it was eight, because Dale and I was, were seven and eight, and Charlie was nine. So there were really, when you think about it, six people who weren't paid to be there. And I was saying to myself, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe it was a wrong turn. Maybe, maybe I went the wrong direction. Maybe I'm not a church planter. In fact, I had some guys who were church planters who were telling me, Chuck, if it's okay to admit you're not a church planter. You learn from this. I think that's a good thing. So I told the district, I said, if something doesn't happen in the next couple of months, I'm, I don't think you should invest any more money in me or in this opportunity. Because I'm not sure this is, this is where I need to be. Well, that's not what they wanted to hear, obviously, because they were, their stories were a little bit more exciting than, than what was going on. They didn't tell people we had six people. They only told people that we were having prayer meetings and Bible studies, which means we had one prayer meeting and we had studied the Bible at the prayer meeting. So that's just the way sometimes it happened in those days. But two months later, something began to change. And suddenly our, our attendance grew quickly from just nine people to 17 to 30 to 40 to 50 people which is all we could hold in our little building but God wanted me at that place where I was saying I can't go on unless you show up I can't go on unless you lead me and guide me and show me the way because he had to teach me something he had to get me to the place of what appeared to be a closing door before he would say, okay, next assignment, next mo movement. God leads us 
to this place. Now, can you take wrong roads? Yes, you can. Of course you can. You can leave God out. You can end up in the wrong place because you're not walking in obedience. You're walking away from his will. Just read Jonah. Read the book of Jonah. Yeah, you can end up in the wrong place. Watch out for the whales or the big fish. Yes, that happens. But I want to tell you something. There is a way back, read Jonah, from going the wrong way. There is forgiveness, and a course correction can lead you back on the right track. So if you find yourself in the wrong place, what appears to be a wrong place because of a life lived without him, God will lead you back where he wants you to be. But we have to do the third thing, and that is to listen and expect to hear. He is directing us. He is leading us. He is moving. We need to be listening and ready for the next assignment. Because, see, God sees things we cannot see. There are decision points. They, they, they go past Mysia, down, through Mysia, down to Troas. Troas is on the coast of the Aegean Sea. And I'm sure in their minds, it doesn't say this, but using a little sanctified imagination, they get to Troas and they're not sure where to go next. The easy thing would have been to go and go back to Antioch, take the ship back down the, down the coastline to Antioch, back home. Or it would have been said, well, it makes sense to go back and try our hand at the other two places, Bithynia and, and Asia. But they came and they waited. You see, here's the point. Troas was a natural place to be, it appeared to be they were at a great barrier. They couldn't go any farther unless they wanted to swim. From a logical sense, it seemed like other places to go. But here's the thing. He always sees farther. Listen to this. He always sees farther and more completely what he's doing and how we can join him in this. He saw and sees our past. I have a lot of years now looking back over my life, and I can say that the reason why God had me to be a church planner was all kinds of things establishing that church, which Dale and I visited a couple of years ago, and it's still there. In fact, it's better than it was when I was there. Praise God. It got over my, uh, my I always said God planted it in spite of me because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but it's there and it's thriving. But here's the other thing. I would never have been had the experiences that I had in this life that it had not been for that decision to go and plan that church. I never would have been the church planning director of this district and then become the district superintendent of this district. I never would have seen that. God saw that. He saw the path. He saw the direction. And he sees the path in your life. He knows what's next. So be thankful for where you are. Be thankful for the life he's given you. It's a wonderful life. And he's leading you. He knows what's next. Trust him. God is accomplishing his grand plan and he is inviting us to join him in it. What an opportunity. The Macedonian call comes. Paul has the vision at night. He sees it. The man from Macedonia calling him to come over. Pleading, begging it actually says for him to come over. We don't know who the man is. All we know that it was a, a call to come across the Aegean Sea to Europe. And by the way, get this, this would start planting a foothold of the church in Europe. Which, by the way, a lot of you, or if not most of you, if not all of us here, are here because of that effort and the influence 
that would come down through the ages. Here's the exciting thing for us as we understand that God always directs when and it's needed, not before. He'll tell you when you need to know. Here they are in Droaz, but what's next? The vision. It comes. They were in a posture of listening. I'm sure there was prayer. I'm sure there was solitude and silence waiting upon God, seeking leaders. Acts chapter 13 tells us about how they were first ministering to the Lord in prayer and worship, ministering to the Lord, and out of that God said, go, and he led. It was confirmed also in community. Let me just challenge you to say that if God is leading you, he's going to confirm it with other people speaking into your life. He's going to confirm it with the community of the faithful ones, the believers. If you're married, he better confirm it with your spouse. Because if you think you should go somewhere, if I should have thought I should go to New England, Dale said, no way, we should not go there. I'm not hearing the same thing. We needed to pray more. I wouldn't just drag her there. One of the worst memories I have about district ministry was a church planner that came to me and he says, I'm called to church, plant a church in your district. And I said, one of the rules we have is your wife has to agree with you on this. And he said, well, she does totally, but she's in another state. She's getting ready for us to move. She's 100% behind it. Big mistake. I took his word for it. And he lied to me. I should have checked with her. Because she did, not, she did not want to come. She did not want to be there. I learned a valuable lesson. God leads us in community. So in your family, in your marriage, there should be unity under the direction. In, in, in your circle of trusted Christian friends, there should be. I have a circle of friends who I can, who's praying for me and, and encouraging me that I can filter some of the opportunities through that helps confirm that this is right. God always directs us when we are at a point of listening and waiting for the next assignment. So he does this for the nations. He does this in planting churches. He does this for ministries. And he does it for you where you live, work, and play. There are people who are close to God and far, who are close to you but far from God that are in your life. He does it in your big life transitions, but in your ministry to those people who, some, who we call in this church your three, your three, two, one. He knows who he's going to bring in your path. He knows what he's setting up as an opportunity to influence them for the gospel. We need to be ready. You see, where is your hand in this journey? Where is his hand on you in this journey? How are you making decisions for your life? Have you compartmentalized the secular from the sacred? Or are you recognizing that your whole life is sacred? Your whole life belongs to him. That he, your whole life is an expression of love for him, love for your neighbor, obedience to be a witness, to be on mission should you decide to accept it. It's not going to lead to self-destruction. It's going to lead to disciple multiplication. Act on what you know and listen for his direction. Here's the beautiful thing. 
What did God see that Paul could not see? He saw Lydia praying with a group of ladies in the woods outside of Philippi, waiting for someone to come and minister to them and help them establish the church in Philippi. He saw a demon-possessed girl, if you read on in the chapter, who was following. Paul got there, followed her, followed them around. She had been used by those who were, who were, uh, who were her masters to, to tell the fortunes and things like that. And so she goes around telling everybody when Paul gets there and his team, these people are messengers from God. He turns around annoyed. He casts the demon out of her, suddenly cuts off the, the, uh, the, the economy that these controllers, these slave owners had. Gets thrown in jail. Paul does. And who's waiting? Who's waiting? A Philippian jailer who almost killed himself when the earthquake came and Paul stopped him. He invited Paul and Silas to his house. And what happens? What happens? He and his whole household come to faith. Isn't that exciting? God saw that. And if God could see that in Paul's life and God can see that in my life, God can see that in your life. He knows who's, what's coming. He knows who he's going to bring across your path. He knows who's there. Imagine for yourself, wake up each day expecting that God is moving and working in your life and be prepared to act on what you know and listen for the next step.